0: Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by
1: Justin Peach. Good day, dear Ryan. Justin, how are you? I'm very good. It's, uh, obviously, we're, we're entering our second part of the year's predictions and um, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into the mid-tablers, although I'm sure the mid-tablers aren't because that spells an underwhelming season.
0: <laughs> it certainly does. <laughs> Justin's absolutely right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the number one championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, this is part two of our league table predictions. And what we're giving you today is the teams who we think are going to finish between 16th. And ninth. Just a reminder that the way we've made this table is pretty simple. Justin's made his table, I've made mine. We've then merged them together, uh, and of course, it's worth keeping in mind that there's still a month to go of the transfer window, so a lot can change between now and then. So we may as well get stuck in, Justin, with the team we have got 16th, and that is Bristol City. We're kicking things off with the team that we had the greatest disparity over. In our respective Mm -hmm. league tables, Justin, I had Bristol City 19th, whereas you
1: had them to finish in the top half. I did. I did. And there are a lot of reasons why, although I'd be interested to know yours first so I can counterbalance them with some actual logic. Some actual logic. okay. (laughs) Um,
0: Well, first of all, I simply struggled to get too excited about Bristol City with Nigel Pearson in charge. This is the main gripe with me if they had a different manager then maybe I'd be feeling a bit more positive about him but Bristol City fans themselves aren't too confident in Nigel Pearson they on many occasions were booing after games last season Um, and he's been very underwhelming in his time in the Bristol City dugout and I have a feeling that his managerial career in general has been overrated over the years but that's by the by that's the biggest sticking point for me but when you look at the squad the squad is good they brought in Cal Naismith will he be as effective as he was at Luton last season I doubt it personally I think Nathan Jones knows how to get the best out of certain players and I think Cal Naismith is one of those players who particularly benefited from that Andy Viman saved Bristol City on so many occasions last season he scored a shed load of goals and set up plenty as well Will he score as many goals as he did last season? I can't see it personally, purely because his previous highest tally before that was 10 goals. And he more than doubled that last season. Uh, and they could still yet lose Antoine Semenyo, someone I really rate as a striker. I think he's brilliant at not only scoring goals, but setting them up as well. And I think he's only going to get better this season. But he has been linked with moves away. So that's another problem as well. Um, But I think the Bristol City squad as a whole, in places, is quite weak. I remember at one point last season I was saying um, this is one of the worst Bristol City squads in quite some time. And while they have brought in players over the summer, I still think there are some players here who would struggle to get into other championship sides. There are some who are very good, but others who I'm just not convinced about and... The headline amongst all of this is Nigel Pearson's in charge.
1: Um, Justin, why do you think Bristol City should be higher in our table? Well, I think firstly their squad is easily top half for me. Um, I think they've got the depth. I think easily. Create easily, easily, absolutely. I think the only issue I've got is um, a back three of Closer, Atkinson, and Naismith. If they can bring in a right-sided defender, because I'm not really, I'm not a big fan of Thomas Callas or, or Zach Viner. If they can bring in a right-sided centre half then that will be a very good back three, a very, very good back three for me. Let me give you a question um, then, quickly.
0: If you're saying Bristol City squad is easily top half, who are you saying they're mm-hmm. better than?
1: I'm saying they're better than all the teams that we've got in our bottom half of our predictions. What about the teams who we've had in the top half of our predictions without giving anything away? Without giving anything away, I think their squad has more balance than, yeah, three or four of those easily three or four, uh, I, wow. yeah 100% I'm, I'm very confident in that which is why I had them higher but again I, if you the, the squad as I say is easily top half if you take Nigel Pearson out of the equation and bring in another manager I still think that squad can finish in the top half We've, you've mentioned the attack it's a good point about Andy Weimann it's a fair point but even if he hits double figures you've still got Semenya and Martin who are good enough to hit double figures themselves to prop up that attack and then you've got Tommy Conway coming through who I'm really excited about Anarchy Wells, who is a match winner, he's a good goal scorer. We've criticised him at times, but as a backup option, he's, 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 he's enough. Um, Bristol City lost 20 or dropped 25 or more points last season from winning positions. I think that's a relatively easy fix. And if you add 25 points onto last season's tally, they'd have been third. Even if you um, add 15 points onto that tally, they'd have finished 7th. So I don't think there's much that needs correcting a Bristol City to make them into a top half team or even a team capable of pushing for a top six. Um, there's just a concentration aspect that needs, and a game management aspect that needs addressing that if Nigel Pearson can sort, then easily Bristol City will finish in the top half even more. And as I say, you add Mark Sykes into that equation as well, there's more creativity going through the centre of the park. I've not even mentioned Alex Scott, I don't need to because he's another good addition into central midfield. I'm low-key very excited about Bristol City this season.
0: I'm not. Um, <laughs> but I think 16th place is a happy medium
1: uh, for us, isn't it? Let's go to the team who have got 15th, Justin. Who have we got? We've got Sunderland. Uh, and I think that's a very solid return to uh, to the second tier for for Sunderland. Will Sunderland fans be happy with um not being sucked into a relegation battle I think they will considering the what they've been through as a uh, as a set of supporters um their recruitment this summer has been impressive daniel ballard for example's been the oldest signing he's 21 22 years old which marks a huge change and um it's a hard working team built on hard working principles under alex neil and when alex neil came in last season he brought in a clinical edge to them in not only game management, but also scoring and and keeping opposition at bay as well. And I think that's going to carry on into this season. Perhaps they're just a little bit short on quality in some areas, um, which is the reason why they might not push on. And if they're relying massively on Ross Stewart, um, who I think is a good shout for the golden boot, if he can hit f- similar form to last season, um, just having one goal scorer in the team. Because they they struggled a lot with that last season as well. Just having one goal scorer in the team could hold them back from finishing higher in the table.
0: I'm really liking Sunderland. And a lot of that is down to the fact they've got Alex Neil in charge. Someone who I think is a really, really underrated manager at this level. But the squad is, is good enough. I know they only got promoted via the playoffs last season, but there's still some really, really good players there. Ross it as you say, I wouldn't go as far to say golden boot contender but you'd expect him to get at least double figures next season because Mm -hmm. he was so good in League One and also he he looks like the kind of striker who should be able to cope with the step up in this level. Uh, Elliot Embleton's a really good player, Uh, Patrick Roberts is someone I'm expecting to step up and then the signings that they have brought in, the likes of Leander Darku who's coming from Union Berlin. Don't know much, too much about him, but he's very highly rated. Dan Ballard, we saw a lot of with Millwall last season. He was great. Adi Alise, who's coming from West Ham, he is very highly rated there as well. So they brought in very cleverly, um, adding to a squad that was already quite solid so I think 15th would be a really really good season for Sunderland and be some sort of progress to them eventually getting back to the Premier League at some point and um, I think this will be a good first step back into the championship but it is worth mentioning I think Blackpool last season were the highest um was the highest a promoted team has finished mm-hmm. back in the championship in their first season in something like three seasons so 15th in that respect would be a
1: remarkable season for Sunderland wouldn't it yeah, absolutely. I think every team promoted from League One will go through the motions because there is a stark difference in quality. You know, a striker. You look at strikers who have been brought in from League One. Jack Marriott's one that has struggled uh, in, in the past. Uh, I've mentioned Craig mchale Smith as a really good example uh, as well. Um, if you get three chances and you put one away in, in League One, you will only get one of those chances in the Championship, and the same ve- same ratio works when you get promoted to the Premier League. So you will go through the motions. I think some of them will be the same. But I think it will be a very good foundation for, for them to kick on in the future. Because as I say, the recruitment this summer has been brilliant. Um, they signed some young players who have got room to develop and have, well have a very high ceiling. So I'm very excited of what is, I think, the start of a new chapter for Sunderland. Absolutely. It's worth saying that the
0: next three teams, including Sunderland, um, we had in the exact same positions in both our league tables. Um, So something worth keeping in mind. And we'll go on to 14th, Justin, which is Preston North End, who arguably win the award for the
1: most mid-table side heading into next season. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair assessment. I think with Preston... I, get, I really like Ryan Low, and I, I do think he can do some really good things with Preston. And I could easily, I could easily see them finishing in between 14th and 9th. Um, it just depends on who comes in between now and the end of the transfer window because they are lacking in certain areas. Wing backs has a depth issue. I think Brad Potts is a is a good option, good option on the right, and Robbie Brady is a good option on the left. He's got very good delivery, very good left foot, but his injury record leaves a lot to be desired. Um, obviously, in the forward areas, you're just relying on an Emil Reese, who was a good goal scorer last season, but he did bail pressing out on a number of occasions with some spectacular finishes and some late goals. Um, but he needs someone to play alongside him. Um, you know, Chad Evans is a f- fairly average squad player. He, he's a, he ruffles feathers. He'll be fine. Defensively, if if the obviously Freddie Woodman's a progressive ball player. He's a very good ball playing goalkeeper centre-halves that they've got there now, I have reservations on them whether they can do something similar. Patrick Bauer isn't renowned for his ball-playing abilities, um, and neither is the likes of Liam Lindsay and um, Andrew Hughes or Greg Cunningham. So perhaps need another defender, need another forward, uh, and some depth at wing-back. Central midfield, um, I really like them. I think they've got one of the best central midfield packages in a division in terms of variation and ability. Yeah,
0: Preston have got pretty much the same team from last season, just because they've not really signed anyone. They have been linked with the return of Callum Robinson, but I think they'll need more than just him to really cause any danger towards the teams challenging for the top six, really. So they seem kind of destined to be another, for it to be another mid-table season, unfortunately for Preston. I like Ryan Lowe as a manager, but I think he needs more of a backing for them to really progress any further up the footballing pyramid because otherwise I, th- I think they're just going to keep coasting along just finishing 14th mm-hmm. or around there for the foreseeable future. So unless they really pull up some trees in the transfer market in the next month, I think it may be just a another season of mid-table mediocrity for them unfortunately, Justin.
1: Yeah, you mentioned Callum Robson, but I think he's the perfect strike partner for Emil Reese because I'm not saying I'm Robinson. not saying it won't be a good no. signing,
0: Justin. I'm saying they'll need more than that to, to you know do anything significant
1: yeah no i i agree um and in, they will need more depth and i'm saying that if robertson does come in that could easily move pressing up three or four places because he saw his link-up play of carl and grant last season for example was really good and i think he could strike something similar with um with with emil reese as well and um we we saw it in spells actually for Preston Callum Rob it's one of them clubs when a player goes back to a club it just works. Callum Carl Robson and Preston would will just work again if if they can get that one over the line. Um so as I say, they just need to add to that team and I think I think it could easily climb the table. But as you say, it just depends whether Ryan Low gets backed and that's the that's the real hesitation with them. That's been an issue for Preston for quite some time now, hasn't mm-hmm. it?
0: Thirteenth place, Justin. Worth mentioning from this point. I'm not sure if you will if you will agree with me. Actually, I reckon all these teams from this point on have a decent chance of challenging for the top six. Would you agree with that?
1: Uh, I would disagree on this occasion. I think I think looking slightly higher up. Yeah, maybe slightly higher up. I think the next three teams I have certain reservations on. So maybe tenth and above for me, but. I hear what you're saying, especially with the next team we're going to mention. they are a, a course of a lot of frustration over the last few years when we're doing these predictions. Um, they're a team that could easily win the league, but that's going that's saying a lot. Or, or they're a team that could easily get sucked into relegation battle. That's how that's how they go about
0: things. Well, that team is Stoke City, and this is easily the lowest we've had Stoke in our table predictions since starting this podcast, because it's so hard to get too excited about them when. They consistently overwhelm, uh, underwhelm, sorry, each season, Justin.
1: Yep, yep. It's like, it's they're like a grandparent. And you think, right, you're going to give me 50 quid in my Christmas card this year. And you get a Lynx Africa. You sound and like it's... a very spoiled child. <laughs> maybe, my, maybe my expectations are too high of, uh, uh, of family members, but... I, I, I put Stoke in that bracket um, because they've always, for me, they've always had good squads. I know Michael O'Neill has had to battle against injuries and moving Deadwood, but even without those variables, I still think that squad is at least good enough to finish 12th and above. Any Anything below that, I do think it's sackable. And I'll put my neck out on the line again because I know a lot of Stoke fans criticise that opinion. Um, but he's got a good squad available to him. Again, a lot of centre-halves, I mean injuries did crop up last season but he's got a lot of centre-halves at his disposal and you've got with, with Tyrese Campbell and Jacob Brown you've got goals obviously. Dwight Gale's just been announced um, as well which we know is goals to game ratio but Stoke fans are convinced that's going to drop because he's signed for Stoke because there's this weird curse at Stoke don't know why um, yeah Stoke are one of the hardest teams to predict it really does depend how they turn up they, they are so difficult to, to nail down I could I could easily see them finishing lower. I think I had them lower in my table.
0: I could easily see them finishing higher, but it wouldn't surprise me again if they did just finish around 13th. I do think Michael O'Neill is a good manager, and I'll constantly defend him for having such bad hands dealt with him in terms of injuries, etc. But this is a very good squad now, and... You could make a good debate that this may actually be the best Stoke team on paper yeah, that they've so. had since being in the championship. Especially when Harry Suter returns. When they have him back in the team, they have the potential to be a really, really good side. Because he is, for me, before he got injured, the best defender in the division. Suter and Wilmot at the back. That's a tidy back line with Tymon on the left. LaRon, Baker, Powell in the middle. Josh Brown up front with new signing Dwight Gale. That's a good team. And Dwight Gale could provide the difference here, Justin. We're talking about a guy who has got the best goal per minute ratio out of every striker who's got over 100 appearances in the Championship bar Alexander Mitrovic. That's how good a striker we're talking, because before they've had to rely on goals from the likes of Josh Brown, who's a good player, but not necessarily a clinical goal scorer. And Stephen Fletcher, for example, and a host of other strikers they've tried over the years. Dwight Gale could be that difference, but they've also got some good young players like DiMaggio Wright-Phillips, for example, mm-hmm. um, and plenty of others who are there on the sidelines waiting to have their chance. Without a doubt, this team has the potential to get into the top's fix for me. The only issue is, if they find a new way to spaff it up this season, (laughs) maybe because no one fancies them, this will be the
1: season where that actually changes, Justin. That's my thinking. It's it's weird because I I put a lot of logic into things, but Stoke City are the only team that I do not apply any logic to because there's no logic to them. Absolutely no logic to them. As you say, they've got the foundations of a very good team, um, but you put it perfectly and so eloquently, they just find ways to spaff it up. And I wish I could provide more analysis for Stoke, but I can't find any evidence to suggest that why they should be so inconsistent and poor. I think it is purely down to um, existing forces surrounding us. It's, that <laughs> is the only explanation.
0: <laughs> that is the only explanation. I'm not going to dispute that at all. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. This has been part one. ...of our mid-table teams in our league table predictions in part two. We'll go through the teams from 12th to 9th. Welcome back to the second tier podcast. This is part two of our mid-table predictions for our league table predictions um, in 12th place Justin
1: who have we got we've got QPR um, I perhaps would have had QPR a little bit lower um, but I think a mid-table finish would be a very good a very good season or first season under Michael Beale. and um, He does have a very good squad, very solid squad to work with. You've got the likes of Rob Dickey and Jimmy Dunn. Who Rob Dickey, very good ball-playing defender. Uh, Jimmy Dunn, very solid defender. Then you add Jake Clark-Salter, who, again, has got a very high ceiling. Um, Very capable at this level. Uh, Taylor Richards added a little bit more creativity into midfield along the likes of um, Luke Amos, um, uh, Andre Dizel and Stephanie Atton. Very good, solid central midfield as well goals and assists through the likes of Chair and Wilks at uh, Willock it's a very very well balanced team and you add Tyler Roberts into the mix yeah they, 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 there's um, a lot of good there to work with for Michael Beale. for me there's just a few unknowns with him similar to John Doyle Thomason can he adapt to life from an assistant coach to a head coach there's there's, um, there's question marks there and they are still short in a number of areas as well and obviously hopefully the goalkeeping crisis doesn't come to to hit them like it did last season because that's, that, that, that created issues for them that they didn't foresee. So I think a mid-table would be a very, very good finish for for Michael Birling QPR in his first season.
0: I'm not sure QPR fans would be happy with mid-table, but I think many wouldn't be surprised if that was the case in a strange way of putting it. The exciting thing about this QPR team is their attack. And if they are going to cause any problems for the top six, then that's what they're going to have to rely on again. Chris Willock, one of the best midfielders in division last season, He needs to have another season like that. Elias Chair's form dropped after AFCON last season. Hopefully, he'll get back to the player we saw before AFCON. And Tyler Roberts has come in, which could be a really sensible signing. I'm interested to see how they all click together. But Mm -hmm. I think it's um, definitely an exciting attack. And then Lyndon Dykes as well. Hopefully, he can stay fit because I think we have yet to really see how good this guy is. And if he has a full season of Championship football under his belt, he could... Um, be a bit of a dark horse, maybe, to be towards the upper end of the goal-scoring charts. They've also got some good defenders who are still yet to peak. Dunn, Dickie, Clark, Salter, all really good defenders. The only thing is, we we have absolutely no idea how good a manager Michael Beale is. As you say, he's making the step up from being an assistant. Um, And he's been messing around with the formation in pre-season. He's gone with a four at the back, which is not something that... QPR have been too familiar with in past seasons Mark Warburton was uh, very passionate about playing three at the back so Beal going with four is going to be interesting to see how they adapt and whether it also stops them leaking as many goals as they did last season I'm also very concerned about squad depth two or three injuries and they're looking very very light in places so that could be an issue as the season goes on but Michael Beal is a highly rated manager isn't he uh, highly rated coach, I should say. If he um, is as highly rated as people make him out to be, then he could be a really good appointment. And you never know, he could be like the next Steve Cooper, for example, couldn't he? Because Steve Cooper then just gave him a chance at
1: Swansea and look how he's turned out now, Justin. Yeah, he's got a very good pedigree. And um, he's he's been the, I wouldn't say the puppet master, but he's the brains behind Steven Gerrard's football, which is why it makes sense that Steven Gerrard, asked about Neil Critchley and it just makes sense that Neil Critchley went to went to Villa because he's centrally coaching the team. Um, and that's what happens with these elite players. They're not good coaches. They're good managers, but not good coaches. Um, Frank Lampard and Wayne Rooney are good examples. Um, so yeah, he's, he's been the brains behind Steven Gerrard's football. How successful it's been. Yeah. Okay. Did well with Rangers. Um did okay with Villa last season still think there are some question marks but as you say he's very highly rated coach much like Steve Cooper was it's just whether he can transition into a head coach because there are a lot of variables that work against you can you demand the respect can you man-manage can you do all of that um, there's more to head coaching than just coaching isn't there um, but you don't need an amateur football manager player to to tell you that Justin, let's go to the team
0: we have in 11th. It's Hull City. And this is another team we had a bit of a disagreement over. Now, I've raised plenty of concerns about Shota at but it was actually Justin Peach who had them low in his table. I think we'll both agree, though, Justin, that Hull are probably the hardest team to place, really, aren't
1: they? Yeah, you're spot on. They're, again, almost impossible just because of all the players that they're bringing in. There are there are there are question marks there, mainly because you've got to knit together a lot of players from different areas of the continent, from different styles of football, and you've got to bring them together and get them playing football for the same team. That's a very difficult thing to do. Um and you've got to be a very good head coach to do it. Ishart Arvaladza Al- Al- a very good head coach, remains to be seen. He's got a mixed record abroad. Did I think did okay last season with Hull, but yeah, he's gotta transition, gotta transition a lot in the summer I think if they had another week of pre-season I'd be more inclined to put them in the top half but I think because the season started a week earlier week makes a lot of difference in pre-season um, you've got time to bed plays in get them a style of play and get them going I don't think Hull have had enough time to to get them all in um, but looking at the squad and, and having seen clips of their pre-season there's been some Really good progressive football, which has been nice to see. And the squad, I think Ryan Longman is a natural successor to Keane Lewis Potter. I think um, Jacob Greaves and McLaughlin, uh, Baxter, um, Seri, uh, Estupian, very good spine as well. So yeah, there's a solid team to work from. Still need a little bit more, still need to add in one or two more areas. I think George Honeyman is a big blow. Losing him is a big blow because they're going to miss out energy in midfield.
0: Yeah, I think you've basically summed up the squad there. And then Estupinan, um, who's joined from Vitoria in the Portuguese top flight, he scored 15 goals for them last season. He's one of the most intriguing new signings in the whole of the championship. He could be phenomenal, but there's a lot of factors at play to see how much of a success he'll be. Jean-Michel is obviously the headline signing, a wonderfully talented player who will run games for Hull. And you'd have thought that would give them more of an edge on teams lower down the table. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And the players you mentioned there, Baxter, Greaves, Longman, players I rate quite highly and I think will be happy to make the step up along some more talented players for them this season. The big concern is Arvaladze because I've not been convinced about him at all. As I was saying in uh, last week's episode, I wouldn't be surprised to see him as the first manager sacked. Having said that, if they do sack him early on and bring someone else in that may be the revitalisation of Hull and be the answer to all of their problems. So that's why I had them quite higher in my table than you, Justin. Um, I'm mainly putting them so high in my table based on the ambition of the Hull owners because I think they'll certainly continue to be busy and active in the transfer window over the next month and continue to bring players in. So I don't think um, we can make a full assumption on how Hull are going to do at this stage all we can do is just put them where we think the owners will be quite happy for them to finish. Um, Sounds like we've got a good to our heads. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Let's go to 10th place, Justin. Coventry City is who we've got there. Coventry blew all expectations out of the world to last season. Don't think anyone expected them to finish in the top half of the table, let alone not being miles away from the top six. I thought they'd be able to give it more of a serious go this season, the playoffs, but I just don't think they've been busy enough this summer.
1: Yeah, I remember when we were saying not too long ago in this episode? Um, I think tenth and above, or tenth between sixth, is a is a good, good area of teams that I think can can push into the top six. And I think Coventry will do something similar to what they did last season. Um, I think I'll you know I'll go in with the doubts first. Still think squad depth and squad strength is an issue in some areas. Liam Kelly's been ruled out for for a while. I like Liam Kelly, but he's been very injury prone especially last season now he's going into a new season with an injury um, so so Gus Harmer, Ben Sheaf, Ben Sheaf was statistically one of the best ball winning midfielders in the league last season and Gus Harmer well we know what he can do he's easily one of the best midfielders in the league um, but I still think they need a little bit of depth in that area I've recommended Panatuch Kamara from Plymouth as a uh, as a player to come in he's a very good ball winning midfielder um, very um, yeah, someone who can play box to box as well um, so yeah there, there's certain issues in areas recruit wise I think they've brought in well Jonathan Panza I think is a good addition um, good left footed defender adds well replaces that Clark, Jake Clark Salter aspect uh, and of course he can play left wing back as well which adds um adds depth and uh, a backup option to Bidwell and obviously Callum Doyle good ball playing defender as well going forwards I think they're fine the only worry is if you're relying on Victor Giocarez to hit the same form he did last season and Matty Gordon to stay fit because if Matty Gordon stays fit he will score 15 goals next season if Giocarez hits the same form he will again score 17, 18 goals next season just a couple of what ifs but I think squad death might let them down in the long run of the season I think they'll be in the playoffs at uh, in periods probably not enough to sustain a serious challenge.
0: Yeah, I think the issue with Coventry is other teams have got better, whereas they've just been trying to keep hold of their key men, which is by no means a bad tactic. But Callum O'Hare, at the time of recording, looks to be on his way out. I think £4 million would be a good deal for Coventry if they managed to spend it back in the transfer window, then it could work. O'Hare was, of course, famously lacking that end product that maybe would have fired Coventry into the top six, who knows? Um, but I, I think he's replaceable, despite him being a fan favourite at Coventry. Um, Gustavo Hamer and Victor Jokeres have been linked with moves away. I don't think they can afford to lose them. They need Jokeres to score the goals for them next season, especially if Matty Godden has another season where he struggles to stay out the treatment room. and. Um, Having said that, if they manage to keep both of them and keep both of them in fifth across the course of the season, then goals I can't see being a problem because they should score enough goals between them. And Gustavo Haim is a wonderfully talented player. They've got loads of good defensive options. Callum Doyle, Panzo, as you mentioned, have come in as well as the ones they already had. Jake Bidwell's a solid left wing back. Ben Sheaf is coming off the back of a good season in midfield as well. So they are certainly got a good side that can have a similar season to what they had last season. I think they need a bit more, though for them to really be a serious challenger for the top six justin and i think that's just Mm -hmm. the long end of it really that that's the problem that's going to uh, catch up with them unless they do some serious business in the remaining weeks of the transfer window and then final one of this episode justin is ninth place it's swansea city the one we had the second biggest disparity over justin had the swans 12th i actually had swansea in the playoffs In my table, so why do you hate Swansea City, Justin? (laughs) Because I
1: love Cardiff. No, no, no. (laughs) Um, no, it's, it's, I think, I still think there are a lot of issues that Russell Martin needs to work out, and I think he's going to need a season to do it again. If you look at last season, I know he came in late in pre season, but last season there were a lot of games where they had a lot of the ball, just did nothing with it. I liked where they were going with it, um, but. I thought those issues, uh, those issues may have been ironed out by sort of uh, December January time. They weren't. They persisted, and then they opened up, got more attacking, and they opened up themselves and conceded a lot of goals as well. Um, so there are a couple of issues there. Um, I, th- I think they were recruited well. I think Joe Allen's a-, a good replacement for Flynn Downs. You add him into that spine of the team, into that midfield sort of trio of Grimes, Allen, um, and Patterson. Very solid midfield base. That has creativity and energy as well. Um, uh, Goal scoring is not going to be an issue. You've got Aberfemi and Pirro. Um, It's just creativity that I think is going to be the stumbling block. And being able to turn possession in the opposition third and be more aggressive. Um, That's what I want to see. Because a lot of the time as well, last season, they were bailed out by very accurate shooting by Joel Pirro. So if they're going to follow the same suit, they've got to rely on Joel Pirro being very, very accurate with shooting again. Which isn't sustainable, um, and that, it just comes down to that. I think centre half wise as well. I still think they need another centre half, a, you know, someone who's aerially dominant but also comfortable with the ball at his feet. So that's something that they they are missing for me um, in that uh, in that defence. But and obviously depth at wing back. I think every team's in the market for a right wing back, and and Swansea are one of those, and even left wing back as well.
0: Yeah, I disagree with a lot of what you've just said there, Justin. Um, we talk about dark horses in the championship and Swansea were the team I picked as my dark horse last week and that's still very much the case. Joel Pirro, Michael Oberfemi scored 34 goals between them last season. A brilliant tally and I fancy them to score even more this season. If Pirro gets around the same tally as last season I think Oberfemi can definitely notch up more considering he missed large chunks of the start mm-hmm. of last season. Um, but yeah Joe Jarland coming back I think is A really sensible move. Him and Grimes can make a nice double pivot in midfield. And then Harry Darling joining from MK Dons. He was one of the best defenders in League One last season. So I'm really excited to see what he can do. And he should also tighten them up at the back, um, which was a bit of a concern last season. But him coming in, it could be a really, really good bit of business. And Andrew Fisher's a good goalkeeper too. So they've tightened up at the back. They've got two proven goal scorers up front. By my mouth, Justin, if you have players scoring goals up top and you've got a strong defence, <laughs> you'll do quite well. Um, so that's my main um, gist of why I think Swansea will do well this season. Um, admittedly, I have got concerns similar to what you have about the creative aspect of things. Jim Passon's a good player, but I think they need another one to add um, to his burden, Olivier Cham. Very hit and miss. He's had some Mm. moments of brilliance last season but wasn't enough on a consistent basis and I know he's one of the most frustrating players in the Swansea team at the moment. Um, And wing-backs is one area in particular where I'm very concerned but I'm thinking they will strengthen. Ryan Manning's a good option on the left but it wouldn't surprise me if they added there. Right wing-back is where the serious problem is. Joel Latabodier looks like he'll be first choice and he's a centre-back by trade. So hopefully that gets addressed and if it does... Then that'll only make me even more encouraged about Swansea being the dark horse that I've tipped them to be. This season. Justin, this has been our mid-table predictions. We've gone through the teams we think are going to finish between 16th and 9th in our league table and coming up very soon on Thursday will be our top 8. But before we go, Justin, let's do our chart (laughs) roundup of who we've had so far in our league table predictions. We'll start at the very bottom, shall we, Justin? Um, In 24th place, we have Rotherham United finishing bottom of the table. Have we got 23rd, Justin? We have Birmingham City. 22nd, the other team going down, we have Reading. In 21st, we have Wigan. 20th, we have Huddersfield Town.
1: In 19th, we have
0: Blackpool. 18th place, it's a non mover, Cardiff City. And 17th, we have Blackburn Rovers. In 16th, it's the one me and Justin had the greatest disparity over, it's Bristol City. And in 15th, it's Sunderland. 14th place, we have mid table Preston. <laughs> In 13th place, we have the cursed Stoke City. In 12th place, we have QPR. And 11th, we have Hull. 10th place, we have Coventry City. And in 9th place, we have Swansea City. And very soon, ladies and gentlemen, on Thursday, you'll find out the teams we think are going to be finishing in the playoffs and going up automatically. So you've got that to look forward to very soon, ladies and gentlemen. And this has been the Second Tier Podcast. We very much look forward to speaking to you again on Thursday. I've been Ryan Dilks. Happy to Peach. Thank you for listening.